I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town podcast. In episode 116 of the Food About Town podcast, Joe McBain from the Tap and Mallet came over to the studio. We talked about the local beer scene, talked about the real beer week and the expo, talked about his path in craft beer, and just overall went on a bunch of tangents and had a good time talking about beer in general. So if you enjoyed this episode, please go and stop by the Tap and Mallet in the South Wedge over on Gregory Street. And make sure to support the Real Beer Week and the Real Beer Week Expo when it comes around next year. Thanks for listening, and please let me know what you thought about this episode. Food About Town on Facebook, at Stromy on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. The rules that constrain summer evening here in Rochester and sitting across from me is man I don't know what to call you are you not a pioneer but you're kind of the kind of one of the big shots in the Rochester beer scene right uh I mean I would like to think of myself as a pioneer in terms of um bringing craft beer to a new level in a bar setting in Rochester wow see I got it right the first time so also one of you know the owners of one of the best accents that has ever been on the Food About Town podcast, <laughs> Mister Joe McBain. How are you doing today, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Chris. Oh well, I'm I'm really excited because I don't get a chance to talk about local beer that often. I have Will Cleveland on, you know, once or twice a year, and I sure. love talking with him about it. But I'm interested in getting some of your perspectives about you know the local beer scene. And, you know, what Tap and Mallet's doing, some of the events coming up, because you guys have amazing events all the time. Yeah. But what I wanted to start off with was um, the big event of the summer, and one I had an amazing time at again, was the Rochester Real Beer Week Expo. Okay. And yeah. I, this, if for me, it's, I love going to that every year. It's such a fantastic event. And if you love, you know, if you love craft beer, it's hard to miss that one. Right, right. So, I mean, the real, let's talk about the real beer week for a second. When did that whole thing end up starting? So, Rochester Real Beer Week uh, came about, um, gosh, I don't remember exactly, but it was three or four years after the Rochester Real Beer Expo had begun, right? Okay. And uh, the Rochester Real Beer Expo uh, was something that came about through friends in the neighborhood you know who are you know very active within the you know the neighborhood community and 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 they they'd asked me actually to maybe be a bit more involved in the neighborhood association perhaps on a board level and you know I said to them you know I'm like I, you know I really don't have time to dedicate you know to to, to being on a neighborhood a neighborhood board however 
Because you, you're in the South Wedge. Yeah, I'm in South Wedge. I'm a business owner. I'm very much part of that community. Um, but I, I definitely do have time uh, and, and, and expertise where I could help you guys do a, an event like a, a beer festival. Speaking of which, I don't think I mentioned up front that you're the owner of the Tap and Mallet, Rochester's premier craft beer bar. That, that is what I do. Where, yeah. where, where is Tap and Mallet located? Uh, three, eight, I, I'm, I wouldn't be doing my job properly if we didn't plug the Tap and Mallet. We'll give it a quick plug. Uh, 381 Gregory Street, you know, right in the heart of the South Wedge. Um, you know, we're really fortunate. We're in our 11th year. We're having our best year ever. And, um, you know, we stay true to our mission to, you know, be a you know, phenomenal world-class beer bar. You know, since the day we open, you know, and that's that's evolved. That's a whole other conversation. Oh, and we're like, we're gonna have that conversation. Like, in staying with that mission, how have things changed over the years? But we have stayed with that mission, and things have very much changed. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about all that because yeah, it's it's a can, fascinating we, story. Yeah, we can tangent into that. As of we course. Go along. So, real so, beer week, you started. Yeah. So anyway, so they come to me, and I'm like, you know, we could do a beer festival, and I think, you know, and so, so that was where the expo spawned from right uh you know this conversation on the back deck at lux i you know i remember it quite well and you a know, lot of interesting conversations happen at the back deck and yeah lux. you know that's where it started off you know we're just hanging out and we're chatting i was like you know i can't do this but you know i could do that and you know and you know we, and we kept talking and you know in hindsight it would have been significantly less work to just sit on the board of <laughs> The Neighborhood Association. And right, I'm, in, in but retrospect. I'm glad I didn't, you know. I'm, yeah. Because, you know, I've, I've, I've had a huge amount of uh, enjoyment and pride, you know, from the Beer Expo. And, you know, so, um, you know, my thing, so, so I was, you know, so we have we have people who own historic house parts and uh, there's, there's a gentleman who owns John's Tex-Mex and then there's a woman, uh, Carrie, she owns Lux, right? And that, that that's kind of like our main core of people, right? So like I'm the only person who, you know, works in craft beer, you know. So I came to them and was like, you know, I I I'd love to do this and like this is my vision. You know, and if we're gonna do this, uh it's gonna be an incredible beer festival and it's gonna be a beer festival where people come and they have a great experience as in, in terms of like the things that they're drinking and it's an enjoyable space and you know and all that right and 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 the the crux of it like in terms of beer was i i'm not interested in serving beer from breweries that's their flagship beer so if you can walk into wegmans and you can buy a six pack of such and such beer off the shelf that's not a beer that i want in the expo and like and that's that's not a criticism of that beer in any way. No, uh, I mean, I love, I, I love staple beers. If you invite me to your house, Chris, yeah. we're going to do a tasting. I would expect coming to your house, they're going to be tasting things that are new and unusual. Right? Absolutely. Because that's the point of doing a tasting, right? For sure. And it's not a criticism on you know, a really nice cheeseburger, but like, why are we tasting a cheeseburger? <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's nothing wrong with the cheeseburger, but in a tasting, we want new experiences, okay? So that was sort of like, it's very simple, but like that was the essence of, of the expo. So I was like, I'm going to basically bring in, and you know, I'm blessed with a lot of like good contacts and relationships you know, through running the Tap and Mallet, right? Uh, I'm going to bring in all the breweries that I love, and I'm excited about what they're doing, and we're going to like kind of delve into their locker, and we're going to like 
bring out all these incredible beers that most people have not seen ever before, right? So, if, you know, you come to the expo, like, you, you, you've quite likely heard of the brewery, but when you go up to their, their table, the beers that they're pouring are completely uh, alien to you, right? Yeah, so, it's, so I mean, it's, a, it's really limited. I mean, as, a, as yeah. a beer nerd, you know, you've heard of some of them even sometimes. Or, I mean, one of the nice things is I've had plenty of things there that they made just for the expo. Sure. And you never had a chance to try them again, right. which right. is really cool. Right, it's one-off, right? So it's, it's a really exciting event and um you know people get people get jazzed up for it you know and i get jazzed up for it and like i get you know when i get really jazzed is is when the day comes where i'm like i make the final kind of like you know decision or agreement on you know like that last beer for that last brewery and i'm like and you can you can lean back in your chair and be like look at the hole right and you Mm -hmm. see all the breweries that you've got to come and you see all of the beers that each brewery is coming and you're like, you know what? That's pretty cool. So this, it, this is gonna be super fun. Yeah, and, and, and when you're when you're working on that with all the different breweries, is there sort of a you know a collaborative thing where you're you're looking for certain things from certain places or well yeah so um again it kind of stands back to the fact that I do tap mallet. So like there was there was a relationship there that allowed this culture to develop and exist. And um, so, so, so now, like you know, I think we we last year was our eighth year, right? So mm. it's you know, it's not a new event. Um, the culture is established, so you know, the expectation of if 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 you're in the expo, you know, we're, we're no longer having the conversations like, oh, could we get you know such and such flagship IPA in? And we're like, no, no, no. Like, those conversations don't happen anymore. Because everybody knows know. they, they know. Like, yeah. if you're in, like, this is the deal. And, you know, we you know we have the conversations where, like, you know, these are the fun things. And, like, this shipment's coming to, like, this warehouse. And, like, we could have these things in the brewery, you know, potentially, like, put onto the shipment. And, like, what do you think about this and that? And, like... And there's just many little conversations and there's a lot of logistics and you know, you work it all out and the things come in and it all kind of takes shape, you know, and then, you know, you know, ten days it's, yeah, it's usually like ten days before the event where you're truly like, We're good. <laughs> just <laughs> ten days only though. Yeah, we're like, We're cool. Yeah. And, you know, and I usually send it to Will Cleveland, you know, who's who's the DNC reporter, like me and Will are buds. And um I think Will always gets a kick out of, you know, I always give him, like, you release the list, right? That list, that list, every year. So Will always puts it's it out. Exciting. And, like, he's excited to release it, and I'm, I'm super excited to give it to him. And I'm like, I've just had that sort of, like, aha moment where I'm like, so cool. I'm like, there you go, Will. You know, like, like let, let people know. And, you know, and he's kind of geeking out on it because Will's, like, a super bear nerd as well, you know. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's always amazing talking with him because he's – one, he, he's a nice guy, but he's so strongly opinionated about the things he likes and dislikes. I, I oh, yeah, no, well, well, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, well, Will's, uh, Will's a strong personality, and, you know, he has he has strong opinions on things. Um, but he's a good listener, too, at the same time. Agreed. Agreed. I've had some really nice conversations with him over the years. And, one, I've learned a lot because, you know, when I started out, you know, some of the, the first beers I tasted, I, I started drinking at 30. So I didn't start with macro beers. I didn't start with cheap beer. 
like one of the first beers that people served me was, you know, somebody gave me a can of Heady Topper. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is this is really good. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you start with, I started with IPAs. I started with heavier beers. And then going back and now learning about some of the classic styles, learning about lagers, learning about pilsners, learning about that kind of stuff. So can I ask you, Chris, how old are you? 35. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I think I think it's great that, you know, you entered into the market because a lot of people have that kind of Budweiser, you know, paps or, you know, name your fizzy yellow beer. Oh, for sure. Period, right? And then they sort of transition things. And, they, you know, increasingly, you know, talking to people, uh, you know, your age and, and, and much younger, um, people just get straight into craft beer. You know, yeah, it's, it's and, a whole and, different world now, and, isn't it? Yeah, and I think, but I think that, um, and that's good and bad, right? So, and I think, you know, what's good is we don't need the fizzy yellow lager necessarily. We just get into good beer. But, but typically, when they're getting straight into craft beer, they're following the beers that are cool. Like, well, oh, for sure, the, the 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 hyped beers, right? So, like the classics, so like what I grew up on. So, like I grew up on. You know, grew up in the, you know, obviously from the UK, right? Um, no, I wouldn't have I, thought that. You know, like like my dad as a kid, right? You know, mm-hmm. like if we had parties at our house, you know, like he'd have a little like mini cask, you know, down in the sort of, you know, basement and, you know, we like classic British cask ales, right? And at the time I was pretty poo-poo on it, but I did drink it as free beer, right? Oh, of course. And, um, but I was exposed to that and it wasn't until later in life where I actually came to really appreciate that. But that was very much part of me. And then, you know, and then I sort of transitioned into, you know, particularly when I came over from the Alto at age 21. Um, you know, Is that like, where you started here? Yeah. Uh, like drinking, you know, the Duvals and the Orvals, you know. Like, and that was, that was Belgian I mean, beer. at the time they did, they were doing a ton of the Belgians, right? I mean, that was, yeah, well, that was yeah, a big thing. It was a big thing. And and, and um, it's, it's still a big thing in terms of awesome beer. It's, not as big a thing in terms of like what beer you can sell, but yeah. it's still f- amazing. I mean, I could like sit you down. We could do a whole podcast. Oh yeah, on like me showing you Belgian beer that I'm just like thrilled about. One, I would be really interested not not necessarily to do that here, but to do that another time because and we're we're already on our third tangent in a row, which is perfect. But one of the things I've always struggled with was Belgian beers. Um, one, because of, for whatever reason, a lot of the, the Belgian yeast strains, mm-hmm. they create this sensation in my mouth that I'm not a huge fan of. Like in a lot of the wit beers, you get that chapsticky taste in your mouth. Okay. And I'm not sure why, for, but for, for whatever reason, anytime, like Allagash White's a great example. I know it's, a, you know, maybe not a, a Belgian classic per se, but. It's approaching that point. Yeah. I mean, in the U.S. at least. Uh, it's well respected in Belgium too. Is it really? I Absolutely. didn't know that. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Allagash is a widely, well, like they are very respectful to Belgian styles of brewing. Yeah, and, and the Belgians, yes, like Allagash is exceptional here and across the ponds. Yeah, it's one of those things. For whatever reason, the Belgian yeast have always caught me the wrong way, and usually you can tell if something is like well made. But how much do you actually enjoy it? I always find that discussion interesting because you can you can taste if it's good, but my enjoyment level is not super high. Yeah, and you know maybe Belgian beer is not for you. You know, I mean, um, but 
certainly Belgian yeast strains in general have, you know, a lot more characteristics, you know, if you're used to drinking, you know, Pilsners and, you know, many different American styles. There's, there's a lot of clean, not a ton of yeast flavors. Yeah, when for you're sure. It's like when you're comparing it to Belgian stuff, right? And, you know, I would say Allagash is actually quite a, you know, a clean yeast strain, and you know some of that kind of unusualness is more, is more coming from the sort of spice spice additions. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you even get into you know like Duval. Say right, Duval's one of my faves. Um, now, what, what's what's your flavor profile in a Duval? What what is that bringing to you? Clean, uh, clean malt, like pale malts. Uh, you know, it has a balancing bitterness without a like predominant like hop assertiveness and it has a like uh a a a yeast character that uh adds to it without dominating like it's a true balance it's like a truly balanced beer right uh with with a huge amount of character going on without any one thing particularly dominating it's it's like kind of hard to describe right because it's so it's so carefully crafted it's been made for so long and like there's there's so much there, but like and it's very like anti American style brewing in some ways because there really isn't one thing that like jumps out, you know, like it's it's bold and it's beautiful, but like it all kind of is in harmony. It's weird. I, I find I love that description because for me, some of my favorite foods are very much the same way. That it's not like one flavor that's explosive, although I love explosive flavors. I like big, I like nasty, I like intense but sometimes those things that grab you really deep down are just perfectly balanced from top to bottom like my my one of my absolute favorite foods is uh, neapolitan pizza a perfectly made one is the best pizza in the whole world right it's because of that stunning balance and it's not that any one thing shines above the other it's that harmony of ingredients so mm-hmm. i that's i find that description like really fascinating and makes me want to try it Perfect. Yeah, yeah. And please, I'd love to share one with you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So and I'll show you how to pour it. Oh, there's the little. There's that, that's part of it. Too. Specifically, that one though. Is there a specific way to pour that beer? Or is well, it? Well, a lot of Belgian. So a lot of Belgian beers. Um, you know, so I, you know, I, I do draft beer for a living, p- predominantly. But you know, I, I do sell a lot of bottled beer, and, and there's a lot of Belgian beer, and you know, some German beers, particularly um, that you know, frankly, are best poured from the bottle, right? And they're bottle conditioned beers, and you know, so they, you know, they have a there's an element of use within the bottle, right? Of course, and you know, um, and it's something that allows that beer to be bright and special and sparkly when it hits your glass, but you don't you don't want that yeast in in your glass, right? So, you know, you've got like your little pinky fingers worth of, and if you pour it right, um, and, and, and if you look at the bottles, you know, so a Duval bottle, there's, there's, there's a shape to the bottle and there's a neck in there where you pour it right and it's horizontal and like all that, you know, kind of slightly sludgy yeast will catch in there and you get that bright, beautiful beer coming out and then you've got your little pinky's worth of, stuff left in there but everything in your glass is perfect and if you pour it just right it's bright and it's sparkly and the head fills the whole massive glass and it's nucleated in the bottom of the glass so it's attracting the co2 and it's funneling up the head and it's getting bigger and rockier and it's just like it's the most beautiful beer in the world 
I love that. That description's fantastic. And it is specific. It's a Duvel glass, too, is oh, right? Oh, abs- yes. Duvel gets poured in a Duvel glass. So I, so I have my own glassware program. At the point Let, let's, I, let's talk about glassware for a second. This, I, this, by the way, I love the way this conversation is going. These are my favorite times on the podcast when we just can't stop going in different directions. Perfect. And eventually we're going to end up where we started. But this is fantastic. Let's talk about glassware. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I I have my own glassware program. So like when we first opened, um, you know, I I you know I'd have like shaker pints and you know the kind of those. You know, so for those that don't know, a shaker pint, these are the thick glasses that are holding about sixteen ounces of liquid. Sixteen ounces, straight edge, thick. Really thick, durable. You can wash the hell out of them, and breaking them unless you're smashing them on the ground. They don't have. They're not delicate in any way. No, they're kind of hideous, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. But they're also free. Very free and very. I mean, it's going like to not cost just you. Give you glass, you know, cases of that, right? Oh, for sure. And uh, so you know, we had we had some of that, and uh, and then and the other thing was, uh, we had many different types of beer that had their own glassware. You know, particularly like the Belgian and German stuff, because you know, back when we opened, like. European beers were more popular than they are now. So that, that uh, eleven years ago, I mean, I remember my friends at the time. They were they were into Belgians because that was what everybody. I mean, everybody was into that yeah, at the time. But it became a nightmare, right? It became unmanageable. You know, I had like four thousand pieces of glassware in stock, and no way. You know, that's was, crazy. It was, yeah, but it was sort of it was it was it was sort of impossible to manage. You know, so like you had all this stuff, but like at the same time, like it still wasn't going out and appropriately sized or branded glassware. Like there was too many beers, there was too much rotation. It was just unmanageable, right? And then my pints are going out and, and you know, shaker pints and, you know, like my smaller servings are going out and glasses that I wasn't so I was like, you know what? Yeah, enough, enough, enough. So I'm like, we just need to like simplify this, right? So we have a 10 ounce, you know, with a five ounce line. Which we occasionally use, you know, if you're coming in for like some crazy barley wine or whatever, you know, I, I can give you a five ounce pour and be measured. Uh, but, it's, you know, 10 ounce glass, so like, you know, barrel aged sours, you know, a lot of the imperial stouts, you know, like, so you're getting a glass. Is, the idea is you get your beer in an appropriate glass, right? You so, know, without getting too much into it. Then yeah, but 13 one, ounce glass. But one, just, just a quick point about that. One of the also reasons where I, I think the 10 ounce glasses for those big beers is important. Is because that's the right amount to have. Right, right, right. Hundred percent, right. It's there's certain things where I like it's not really it's, it's not really about the cost, uh, you know, because there are certain things you bring in. And you're like, well, I paid so much for this, you know, like I can't do this in a pint, so like I just need to like find that happy medium. But like, generally speaking, it's like we just need to find the appropriate drinking size. So you come in. And you're adding a ten plus percent imperial style. Well, you know what, Chris? Like, you, you probably don't want anything more than ten ounces. No, like, it's just this a is lot. Not a beer. It's a lot, and this is like not a beer you're going to drink all night. No, like, it's probably the end of the evening. You, you fancy an imperial style? We've got some fun pastry style on tap, right? And like, here you go, ten ounces. Like, enjoy it, sip it slowly, you know. And then thirteen ounces is going to be some of the like. You know, the really fancy IPAs that, you know, they cost a lot. And they're like, that's the happy medium. You know, like double IPAs. Um, double IPAs. Sorry, uh, microphone adjustment. No, it's fine. <laughs> double IPAs should be 13 ounces, you know. 
I think so. Again, I you think... You know, so on and so on, right? You know, and then you got your pints, and then German wheat beer, 20 ounces. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the kind of beer you want to. So so we like we basically narrowed it down, as far as beer goes, to four four glasses. And that's perfect. Yeah, we threw our logo on there. You're like, this is our glassware program. That's it. And you feel you know? comfortable with all your shapes. You feel comfortable yeah, with... Yeah, I feel like I can take in any keg from anywhere... And given the glasses that I chose, I can present it to you in a lovely way that's appropriate for that beer. Yeah. I mean, that feels good, too. I mean, because you, you want to be highlighting these beers. And it's clean. That's also good. Well. Oh, let's. Well, that's oh, not let's, often discussed. Let's talk about it. I mean, there's nothing worse, right, than going in to a bar and buying a beer. And the beer comes to you, and the whole side of the glass is covered in bubbles. Oh, oh, that's bad. But that happens all the time. I'm sure that's something that's happened to you before. Sure. You know, I'm not going to tell you that I haven't had my struggles over the years where there's been times where my glass wash. I have a dedicated glass washer, right? Like, you can't, and there's not, there's not many restaurants, to be fair, there's not many restaurants that do do this, but right. You certainly can't have a dishwasher where, like, your kitchen plates and everything else and your glasses going through the same thing, right? Um, you know, a lot of places will hand wash or, you know, they'll have a glass washer, but maybe it's not great. You know, I was like, you know what? We're not going to skimp on this. And, you know, we have, like, a state-of-the-art high-temp glass washer. And the only thing that I, doesn't even see my coffee cups. That's beautiful. Like, not even the coffee cups. The only thing it sees... Is glasses that contain beer, and it's high temp and it's state of the art. I have a guy come in every week, tune it, fine tune it, make sure it's right. Because like, I want the best beer, yeah, and that starts with a clean glass, a beer clean glass. Now, when you're talking about cleaning your glasses, are you clean, are you just a high temp guy? I'm, I'm I'm getting nerdy here just for a second, just because I love this. Is it a soap thing? Is it a clean certain kind of water thing? Yeah, so you got some detergent chemicals to go in there. Uh like sanitary sanitary wise, like the temperature actually like the temperature we wash it, like you actually wouldn't need any chemicals to yeah. be um like he- like he- health and safety wise, like of you course. actually don't need to put chemicals in it. You know, cuz it washes at a temperature that takes care of any any bugs or anything you might want, but we we put in some chemicals to like really like, you know, remove any any films and you know anything, and then you know, and it comes out, and it's it's so freaking hot, dries off real quick. Put it back on the shelf, and it's nice and it's bright. There's no film buildup. You know, it's a beautiful machine, <laughs> and it's it's something that obviously you care about because, well, like, it's very I said, important. I mean, high highlighting the beer the best way possible. I can't put a glass of beer in front of you, Chris. Yeah, and tell you that like I'm a awesome beer bar. And your glass is covered in bubbles, yeah, because there's gunk and film on the glass that I put your beer in. Yeah, it's miserable, especially it's, when you have amazing product. Right, it's a part of the whole experience. Right, absolutely. You know, like, it's it's it's, uh, it's a significant expense uh, to do that, and it's worth every penny. That's awesome. So we're gonna pivot back before we go with our first break. Let's finish our talk about the real beer expo. Oh, a, we were talking about that, weren't we? That was a nice 12-minute tangent. I really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> so this year at the Beer Expo, 
you know, this one was another hit. The food there is always fantastic. I love the, you know, the curated way you pick the food places there. Mm-hmm. Perfect for a beer event. Because, I mean, this year, again, was, you know, uh, you know Kev McCann in there serving some amazing burgers. Yeah, uh, killed it. Every, um, every year, Swan Market, Barry over there. Always kills it. Just one of the one of the better guys in town. Yeah. And a true classic from top to bottom, from yeah. the food to Barry as a person. Just a cr- true classic guy. Uh, the Poutine Girls, just, again, perfect oh, yeah. for a beer expo. Liz has been with us since, I, I'm pretty sure, day one. Yeah. Which is really something, because food trucks were just getting started eight years ago. And they, I'm sure they were around. I mean, they've got their name out early. Yeah. Another perfect place for that. Um, and I have to say, the beer selection again, I had some really fascinating stuff. I think the most interesting one I had was, I think it was a Firestone Walker beer that was in Scotch barrels. That was a hot beer. It was crazy. People were really opinionated about that one. I think that was a, was it the Parab- Parabola series? It was a Scotch um, it's a Scotch whiskey barrel aged parabola, and, and I yeah. did try it, and um, it was hot. Yeah, like 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 hot, like alcohol hot. It was. I I loved it, <laughs> but it had it had so much Scotch character that every person I talked to had a completely different opinion about it. Some of us absolutely loved it. Some people despised it, and I was like. This what what a great beer for an event like that where it just got people talking. Yeah, you know, I th- I think most people didn't like it. Uh, you know, it was a bit hot and it was a bit. I don't know. I think it needs to mellow a little bit. And you know, you put yeah, I could absolutely you know, see you that. Put, you put peat smoke in there, and you know, it's kind of a divisive thing. You know, and it's like it's very classy, but it's sort of divisive too. And you know, there's a lot of people who don't like single malt whiskey, but um, we put it in there, and um, we we opened with that, and. Um, Guess people talking, right? Absolutely. Right? I mean, there was. I mean, like Chris, that's the point, right? Like, absolutely. Honestly, I don't really care if you like the beer or not. When, like the expo, like you come to my pub. Yeah. I care if you like the beer, right? And if if you if you come to uh, if you come to the expo, uh oh, there it goes the mic. Hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> All right, check, all right, check, check, right, check, 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 check. All right, all right. <laughs> there you go. You're perfect. We good? We good? Oh, we're good, right? Yeah, we're getting better. Right, like so you come to the expo, right? And like I sort of care less whether or not they like the beer. Like yeah. I'm, I'm confident that over the course of the evening, you will leave with a wonderful experience and like good memories, whatever yeah. else. But like on a specific beer, I don't really care. Like what I'm interested in is like you tried it. Like I had the Scotch, you know, Scotch barrel aged Parabola, and like it was like horrifying. It was too hot, and it was yeah. just like too much. I'm like. But you tried it and you thought about it and you had an experience, right? And like that was an experience. Absolutely. And like that's what it's about. Because I mean, just getting, just getting. Like, I don't mold. really care that you didn't like your <laughs> three ounces of beer, yeah. right? Because like, go to your next three ounces that you're going to absolutely. Yeah, love. yeah, and you went to the next thing, but like you had an experience and you had a reaction. It's kind of yeah. like when I put art on the wall at the pub, right? It's like, you know, I hope you like it, but if you don't, that's okay too. Like I just want you to look at. it. Like, I want you to try it. Yeah, try something different. Open your open your mind up to the different styles. And right, you don't have to like everything. Yeah, creativity. And I thought for me the thing that popped this year was there was a huge there was a lot of sours with intense 
fruit flavors. You know, it was these passion fruit sours this year. I think the one from uh, Prison City was, you know, a good example. And there was a few others that just, they almost had this bracing sour. Sure, Stoneyard had some. I mean, yeah, that was intense. I would say this last year's expo was the most polarized uh, expo we've ever done in terms of styles. And, like, you could pretty much nail it down. to So every every expo, right, mm-hmm. is a reflection of what people are really jamming on that year, right? For sure. Really. Um, and this year was New England IPAs, sours, mainly fruited, and imperial stouts. Yeah. And if you wanted to dissect that list, there wouldn't have been a ton of beers that didn't fall into that category. And you know what? I'm not super jazzed about that. Oh, see, this is really interesting. I think what we're going to do... But the expo reflects... Yes, it does. What's, what's up, right? It does. I think what we're going to do, we're going to take a break. We're okay. going to come back and we're going to talk about your thoughts on the, you know, the it beer styles right now. Sure. And we will be right back. Before we get back to this week's episode, I'd like to take a second to talk to you about Frankly. That's P-H-R-A-N-K-L-Y dot com. Frankly is the best way to find out how your favorite local restaurants source their products and also how to find your favorite specialty goods. You can check out restaurants like Joby and Coffee, Marty's Meats, Search for them on Frankly and find out where they source their goods from. Or you can check out your favorite specialty product like Guglielmo Sauce. Search for them on Frankly and find out all the locations you can buy their sauce all over. That's Frankly, P-H-R-A-N-K-L-Y dot com. After a nice stroll near the pool, we are back with Joe McBain from Tap and Mallet. Joe, how you doing there? Feeling so relaxed right now. (laughs) Right? It's not bad. It's a nice relaxing back area, isn't it? Had a little pool time. Yeah. I mean, I'm, we didn't swim today. Perhaps another time. No. We can skinny dip later. <laughs> so, we started before the break. We were talking about beer styles. So, we were talking about what was popular at the Expo, which were this year New England IPAs, and especially milkshake IPAs. That was a big thing. There was a few. Not not a ton, but it's it's one of those things that's really catching right now, I think. Uh, I wouldn't agree with that. No, you don't think so? I don't think so. Do you think it's a super niche thing or what's I the I think it's pretty niche. Yeah. So we had our New England IPAs, we had our Imperial Stouts, fruited sours. Yes. And what, what was what was the last one this last year? That was it. That was it. Those are the big ones. That's it. You got three. You can you can nail it down to three, right? Yeah. Um and, you know, in the big wide world of beer, there is, you know, almost countless styles of beer, right? And, you know, that's what people are, like, super jamming on right now is, you know, pastry stouts. When you say pastry stouts, you're talking about... Stuff with adjuncts. Sweet, or, you know, all these different other things. You know, it could be Char- coffee and chocolate. Coffee, chocolate, peanut butter, vanilla, certainly, like, you know, a barrel barrel uh, additions mm-hmm. um yeah and they're big and rich and sweet and chewy and lovely yeah for sure yeah but um you know that's that's one thing right uh you know new england ipas mm-hmm. 
lovely style of beer. Absolutely, no complaints. And I'm I'm a fan. I mean, I love that a lot of local places are making them now. Thank God. That was a big thing. I, I remember there's a certain level of resistance, which I was somewhat involved in. I certainly, you know, I, you know, I had many conversations with Will too. I remember uh, that last year. I mean, there was, it was just a huge topic. Yeah, yeah, um, and you know, kind of moving away from this kind of classic, you know, two-hearted, you know, and West Coast, you know, Stone IPA. You know I mean, like, I'm, I'm picking very like standard style like yeah. great great beers for that style and speaking of uh, which what, what are we drinking today that you brought upper pass first drop uh we just put it on tap you know i, just, I felt like i wanted to grab i, I didn't want to show up in their beer right uh, and you know <laughs> um it's it's uh it's out of vermont and um it's you know it's just a pale ale it's just this like kind of hazy unfiltered uh pale ale it's got um you know just enough bitterness to kind of support support it and you know it's like it, it, it's it's just nice you know what i mean it like, is it's very good, nice yeah it's nice it's like it drinks well it's balanced uh it's, it's, it's a very contemporary style but at the same time you know it embraces that like classic balance yeah it's not too much of anything no and it's a pale out it's not very strong you know um and you know like i i definitely like somebody who likes drink beer um gravitate towards beers that are like not that strong in alcohol you know yeah, like, for sure like you don't catch me that often like on my free time uh drinking you know double ipas and imperial stouts you know yeah. like I, I i i do drink those beers and you know i appreciate those beers and i can like wax poetic about those beers if need be but like in my free time that's probably not the beer that i'm seeking out as far as what do I want to drink? Not the one you're reaching for in your no, fridge. No, you know, like, so, like, you know, kind of IPAs and pails, and, you know, I drink a lot of, uh, you know, wheat beers, be it German or, be it German or Belgian. Um, you know, brown ales, porters. Um, you know, I drink I drink a range of styles, you know, and that's how I create my beer menu at the Tap Mallet, too, you know, like, you can come in there, you know, and I'll sit down there, listen, I'll sit down there, and I have with any bar owner, you know, beer manager, and I'll just like open it up and I'll be like, this is like, we have a system on how we do beer. And it's, you know, it's a simple spreadsheet. And, and like what, what, what works for me doesn't necessarily work for you, but like, but basically you, you know, you list out the number of lines you have and, and then you put down the styles within each line. Like each line has a style designation and like, and, it, and maybe, maybe it's just like, miscellaneous whatever right but like that's 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 its plan right it could be your miscellaneous dark or your miscellaneous yeah, but most brown of, yeah but most of us you know it's like you know all right, so we have like one porter and you know we have like you know four ipas and one double ipa so how, how many how many taps how many taps at the tap and mallet now so we have 30 right and um yeah like every line has its thing right and so like if you come in there you know like maybe I don't have exactly what you're looking for if you've got a specific brand in mind. But if you're like, hey, you know, I'm like, I'm looking for this. And you're like, well, you know, we don't have that. But, like, we've got this and probably this that if you're into that, you know, this would probably appeal, right? You know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's kind of our thing, right? Uh, you know, but you're never going to come in there and be like, oh, my God. You know, like, unless you're doing, like, another hard tap takeover, they have, like, 25 <laughs> IPAs on. Right. 
you know, it's like it's, it's diverse. You know, like I want to represent uh, a lot of styles, and there's and there's a bunch of styles that um, are you know only very slightly represented. But you know, and that's okay. Like we we represent more IPAs than anything else because that's what people predominantly want to drink, right? So we have more representation for that, right? You know, like I'm 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 pushing an agenda, and an agenda my agenda is that I want you to drink the best beer that's available that week, uh, but I want you to uh, have a wide range of different styles to choose from amongst the best. Right? Yeah, I, I like that. And also, you know, sometimes, even though maybe maybe I do drink IPA more than anything else. Well, but it's I've, a nice style. Absolutely. But I've grown to enjoy, you know, I've grown to enjoy, you know, the, you know, the five, five and a half percent porter that just hits these perfect dark roasted notes. Sure. And it's lighter than you think it is. Sure. I, I love that more than I ever have. Or well, a stout that's made it five and a half percent. Sure. But, you know, you come in, you come in, right? And like it's a chilly evening, right? It's kind of chilly. You got your best flannel on. Mm, feels nice. Maybe a vest. <laughs> and uh, you know you're kind of feeling cozy, and it's a little chill outside. And I put like a really nice pot in front of you. It's good drinking, man. It's a it's a, the right beer for the right night. That's right. It's good drinking, and it's something like during the summertime. There's very few things I like more than a beautiful goza. Doesn't have to be flavored. Could just be you know regular base flavors of you know your coriander, maybe citrus, a little salt. For me, that's one of those things I just can't get enough of. You know, yeah. re- a really nice made, simple. So that's what we would call on our beer list a session sour. Yeah, it's a great example. Yeah. So if you look to our organizational sheet. That would be a session, session sour, of which, you know, we always have one. And then there'll be another couple of sours that are probably barrel aged. Yeah. You know, the, the, the bigger ones that people, you know, that sippers. It's a little more complex. It's a bit more money. The brewers definitely put like a huge amount more time into bringing that beer to the tap, you know, and, um, yeah, but that, I mean, like, both are good, you know, like a good, like, well made kettle sour, um, you know, and a, you know, beautifully aged, you know, barrel aged sour, you know, you know, often with fruit. They're both, they're both great, you know, but, but they're different, you know, and, you know, I don't want to poo poo one over the other. And we, we make sure that we always represent each. Yeah. And I think, I think the thing that, but they're distinctive, you know, like sours, it's very easy to be like, oh, it's sour. Yeah. You know, and like, well, you know, yeah, they both are, but they're quite different. And, you know, we, 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 we now categorize the way you do sours in, you know, like different, you know, different ways. And, you know, like we represent both of those types of sours at the same time. Yeah. And I think and it's. recognize the difference. Yeah. And it's interesting when you talk about sour, sour is not just one thing. I mean, it can be these, these hints or it can be edging towards almost vinegar abrasiveness at the harsher end, you know, the highway manner end of things where it's, you know, striking, it's attacking your palate. It's just like when you talk about wine or anything else, you know, there's different kinds of acidity and they hit your mouth in different ways. And I think it's important to not just, you know, lump everything into one flavor. You know, it's no, people do that freely with IPAs now 
where it's not just pine anymore. You know, they talk about all these fruits and all these other things. Well, so many fruits. Look at sours the same way. I mean, it's not just the fruit part of the sour, but the sourness has a characteristic in of itself. Right. I mean, defining that and really breaking down that sensation of sour, because it's never just one thing. You have to really, really embrace all that stuff. But that's me. Like, I love nerding out about the details. I can't help myself. <laughs> And that's why you have a sweet blog. Exactly. So let's talk. Let's talk about the tap and mallet. Okay. So you said you had started. You came. You came here, and you started at the old toad at twenty-one. Yep. Was that that was your first time in America coming over to to work at the old toad? Yep. First time. First time. How how long did you work there? So I came in two uh, thousands. Uh, and I was a hotel and hospitality student at Sheffield Hallam in the UK. And uh, in that in that degree, I had the opportunity to go and work abroad for a year. And there was a bunch of people in my class who were working in this place called the Old Toad. And, you know, I'd kind of like missed the cutoff for it. Um, but as it turned out, I the guy that owned the Old Toad at the time, um, he also owned this American sports bar which I bartended at. So I was working at an American style bar in England and looking to work at an English style bar in America. A little bit of a contrast there. Total contrast, right? <laughs> so I, I, you know, I bullshitted my way into the job, you know, because I'd worked in pubs since I was eight. Well, I'd bartended pubs since I was 18. I worked in pubs since I was 16. Um, and I knew enough about beer that I just sort of bullshitted more into the job. I had like truly no interest in good beer at this point. Uh, but I knew enough about it that I bullshit my way in, took my way into the job, and I I came over to the States and I worked to the old toad. And uh, this guy was super passionate about beer, like really, you know, well regarded in the UK for good beer. And I started exploring good beer, you know, kind of independently and just fell in love with it. And I, um, after my original year as a student, I ended up, you know, extending my visa and then I stayed on and um, ended up managing, you know, the whole front of house of the old toad, you know, for, you know, I was there for like seven years, you know, and I got to the point with that place where, you know, I'd, I kind of got everything from it that I, I felt like I could get and I'd given it everything that I could give. Uh, and it was just time to it was just time to do something else you know there was like it was it was just it was just like a natural it was a natural thing the old toad was great for me um and you know i hope that i made a really good positive impression on that place during my time there um and i left and and i opened the tab mallet and you know by that point I had my own views and philosophies on what an exceptional beer bar should be, right? And I was, super, and still am, like super passionate about about that. And and I took over what was the original McGregor's in the South Wedge, and I had I don't, this, I don't remember that was the McGregor's. Yeah, that was the original McGregor's, you know, and um, opening like nineteen ninety, um, closing like two thousand six or seven. Mm. And you know, I just had this sort of blank canvas, really, you know, uh, t- you know, to work with. And it was like, it was kind of a dump, 
at that point. You know, they they'd been gone for a year and a half. It was kind of a dump, and but it had the bones, right? And we worked, and you know, we reconstructed for six months and i didn't know anything about anything when it came to construction but i learned isn't that the story though when somebody yeah, with passion know, like, opens I a just, place i like, didn't know anything about it you know but like <laughs> you know, my partner did and you know and like we had some you know we had some like good good guys on board and and you know, it just worked and you know like we did it and you know i lost a ton of weight actually um, during the process yeah like, i lost a lot of weight I lost like probably, you know, 30, 30 pounds. And I'm pretty skinny. And was yeah. it just from just from working too much? Yeah, you know, like yeah, you know, like after after about three months, it took us six months. After about three months, we went seven day weeks, right? Oh yeah. And uh, so it was seven days a week, you know, and it was like eighteen hour days, you know, towards the end, and and you know, I was broke and I wasn't eating super well, and I was just like getting it done, you know. And it was exciting. And it was great. But that was that was the only thing. Yeah, it's just like, getting it done. Just getting it done, you know. I'm like, I'm losing weight and I'm like skinny and and we're like, we're getting it done and we got it done, right? And then we opened and it was just like, wow, you know, and everyone was like super into it and everyone was super into it. And um yeah, and I was tapping out, you know, like and off we went, you know, and you know, the first night was the craziest night ever I've ever had in this whole industry and it was amazing and hideous all at the same time <laughs> doesn't um, that explain a lot of great nights you know i i hope to open other places uh in the future right yeah um you know like not a lot but you know i would like to do i would like to do something else at some point when the right thing is there but my god i hope to never have an opening night like that one <laughs> and thank god i was so young and people were so understanding because <laughs> You know, what what was the one thing about that night that stands out to you as being the best and the worst? So I remember, well, the be- the best thing was that everyone was just like super into it, right? Yeah, and for just sure. super like compassionate and like excited and just they could see it, right? Even though it was deeply on, like it was, everything was bad, right? <laughs> um, but it was but it was great at the same time, right? Yeah. They could see what we were doing, right? Um, I, you know, I remember this kid, uh, Gary that worked for me, uh, and he helped like join the build out and he came and he worked for me with the Alto and he's like, Joe, this is like, like seriously 30 minutes before you open. He's like, do you want to know what the price are of the beers? I'm like, I don't know, Gary. That's, <laughs> it's a great question to ask. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, but here's the thing, Gary. I'm like, you basically know what all this stuff is. So... Just wing it. Just wing it. <laughs> Just wing it, dude. Oh, it's fantastic. Charge what you think is right. And you make sure that everyone is happy. And they've got beer in their glass. He's like, got it. <laughs> I'm like, cool. Yeah. Right. And then there's this other guy, Pete. And I was like, we had this like crazy hard drive of stuff, right? And I'm like, Pete. Just I just need a playlist. I just need music playing. Like maybe a playlist, right? I'm like, you got a gazillion songs on there. And he's like, all right. And I don't know what Pete was thinking, but he created like, you know, 100 hours of just Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect for a beer bar. I was like, oh, this is terrible. It's terrible. I'm like, but they're like, so it's like, imagine, imagine you got fires, right? Yeah. And it's like, which fire do you tackle first? You tackle the biggest one, right? And, you know, the Frank Sinatra was never, it was like, it was a fire, but it was never the biggest fire until 
White Christmas came on. Oh, come on. And I was like, all right. (laughs) 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 All right. We got to deal with that. Right. And, you know, White Christmas is playing. It's like November. And, you know, I'm like, all right, this playlist is no longer acceptable. And, you know, and on it went. Right. And, you know, and the other thing was, so we opened at four in the afternoon and there was a light, there was like a huge line outside because people were like really excited for us to open. Yeah, for sure. And then they piled in, right? And, you know, my chef was, uh, he goes, we can't open, like, we can't serve food at four. And, you know, I was pretty experienced. And I was like, well, I'm like, do you think we could do it at six? He's like, yeah, I could probably pull it off at six. I'm like, all right, cool. So, so I'm telling him, I'm like, kitchen's not open until six. And they're like, all right, all right. So then it's six, six rolls around, right? The place is packed. Oh, yeah. And um, again, like complete inexperience. Uh, we just took all the orders. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> at six. And, you know, there was just like ungodly amounts of orders. And he hadn't like, yeah, the food is ready. But like it's now we have, we have like multiple kitchens on different levels. Oh, really? Uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen the whole setup there. Oh, yeah. And it was just, it was, I mean, it's just, an, it was just a nightmare. And, you know, my poor chef, it was, it was actually his birthday as well, the day we opened. I mean, he's just like having the worst day ever. Happy birthday, chef. But, you know, so, yeah, somehow, some way we made it through. And, you know, thankfully, people were just like, like fairly cool. You know, oh, we've been waiting an hour and a half for our sandwich. I'm like, I know, I know, I, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. I know. I'm learning so much. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I love that, but that's but that that's the first time owner thing. That's all those things that you learn really quickly. Yeah, and it was like a combination of like genuine excitement on the customer side and genuine love on my side, right? Yeah. And we're just like I'm just like let's roll it out there. Let's just like guys, like we're just going to we're doing we are doing everything right now and it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like and eleven years, eleven years later, it is okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember we kicked a keg of flying dog Gonzo because I was like, basically, this guy was like, "All right, we're just gonna do everything for four seventy-five a pint, <sighs> everything." Wow. So the flying dog uh, Gonzo, um, uh, lasted like an hour. Yeah, that'll happen. It's like all the local brewers came and they were like, "Oh yeah, we'll drink that for four seventy-five a pint." Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. so let's talk about your vision for what what is what is a great craft beer bar and this this is how you built the tap mallet but for you what are the elements that make for a great beer bar all right uh you know pretty easy question really um so you need somebody who turn your head towards the microphone you need somebody who (laughs) is you know, obviously, like, you know, one one educated and passionate about beer, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, assuming you got that, right, you, you know, you're, you're going to get a good beer. And, like, you know, the way that the way that one person creates a beer list is different than somebody else, right? And, you know, and it's okay. Like, there's, there's, there's kind of, like, not uh it's like a chef, right? Right, there's no one recipe, but it's no. your recipe, which is all that the really matters. What's really important, right? Is and and there's certain bars around town, like so, like let's say, let's take the Playhouse, right? 
Yep, one so of my like, one of my favorite places to go visit. Okay, so like Jay Rogers, Jay Rogers used to work for me. And, you know, Jay Rogers is great, right? And Jay has a very particular taste in in, in beer, and it's it's quite different than mine, really. Um, but you walk in the Playhouse, right? And you look at their beer list, right? And you'd be like, "That's a Jay Rogers beer list." Yeah. Right. Like Absolutely, it, I know it's his list every time I go in there. Right. It reflects. Jay Rogers taste. Now, whether you like that or not, that's your business, right? But you walk in the playhouse, right? That's a Jay Rogers list, right? But you walk in a bunch of other places and you're like, all right, so like this list was just comprised by all the stuff that the reps were pushing this week, right? That's a big difference. Yeah, I mean, my, my so favorite I respect places. beer bars where the list truly represents the taste of the person who curates that list. Absolutely. Right? Favorite thing with chefs, too. I want chefs to have a vision, and I want their food. My favorite places to go visit are the right. places that have a vision for but what they are. Here's the biggest one. So that, that's one element, right? Yeah. But here's the biggest one for me, right? So let's say me and you are buds, right, Chris? Mm-hmm. Right? We go out drinking regularly. And let's say that you, you're not really into, like, craft beer mm-hmm. at all. Like, you like drinking middle of light. Sure. That's your jam, Right. But we're buds, right? Mm-hmm. I'm super into craft beer, right? but we're buds. And I love hanging out with you, and I love social time with you. And we go into a bar, and you're like, hey, man, can I get a Miller Lite? And they're like, no, dude, that's disgusting. We don't sell that crap. Mm-hmm. But we've got some, like, craft beer. And you're like... Yeah, I know about craft beer. I don't like that. I just want a middle of light. Right? Immediately, you feel like you're in some elitist bullshit place. You feel excluded and just frankly not welcome. Mm-hmm. Right? So now, come in my place, and there's other, many other places, but I've, taught, I've traveled a lot, right? And there's many, like, very renowned beer bars that fall into the first category of, like, we don't sell that crap. Right? And you know so you what? Come I in mean, my place, right? Yeah, for sure. So, like, you want, like, hey, well, can I get a Bud Light? You know, like, well, I don't have Bud Light, but I've got, like, Jenny Light and Cream Ale, right? So, like, at the same time, I may not have the port you want either. But, like, I have that style, right? And and it's, it's drilled into my staff. If somebody asks for that type of beer, like, there's no, there's nothing weird. It's, like, well, we have, like, Jenny Light and Jenny Cream Ale and, like, and that's, like, we have we have that type of bit right yeah um and um i i i think i think that that's like deeply important because what's more important than the beer is the fact that me and you are buds and we're having beer together right the fact the act of drinking beer with your friends is infinitely more important than what the beer actually is and that is the essence of my beer philosophy i think that's great because I'm I'm as much a snob, and I take that back. I'm more a snob than the next guy. Chris, if you're my bud, yeah, right, and you're like super into Bud Light, mm-hmm. our friendship can be a hundred percent strong. Yeah, the fact that we're friends is will always be far more important than what your choice of beer is. Right. One right? One, of, one of my right? one of my good buddies from East Rochester, he is a Jenny and Jenny like guy. And that is it. That is what he drinks. 
there is no deviation. That is his jam. But he's your friend, right? 100%. One of my best buddies. And not in a million years would you ever think of like diminishing your friendship because of his choice of beer. Of course not. That's the most ridiculous thing in the whole world to even suggest that. It's ridiculous. Right. So my bar, right, and my pub is based upon that. And like, I don't have Bud Light and I don't have Miller Light, right? I have Jenny, right? So if you're into the, like, hopefully, hopefully (laughs) if you came in, he would be cool with that, you know, or like your buddy is like into, you know, Paps Lou Ribbon is like, yeah, I can I can get down with Johnny Light. You're like, hopefully that's cool, right? Yeah, absolutely. And they understand like I don't have everything for everyone, but I truly want to have something for you. Well, and I think that extends to your food menu too, is your your whole the whole vibe of the place. One, very comfortable. Everything about the place is comfortable from sitting at the bar to the tables around the bar to Booths that are actually comfortable. <laughs> I've sat in a lot of uncomfortable booths in my day. Yeah, yeah. Those are comfortable booths, man. Good, good. But, I mean, I think that extends to your food menu, too. And that's something that I know has evolved over the years as well. Constantly, yeah. You know, something something different all the time. And it's a lot of classic foods, you know, either with taken at different angles or really just served in a way that everybody should enjoy. Mm-hmm. Also, something for everybody. I remember going in, I, I eat mostly vegetarian nowadays, and I can go in and have a really good vegetarian meal there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Or vegan. Yeah, and not, not a lot of comfort food places really get that right in a way that's satisfying. Like, sometimes I still just want a burger, but there's not a ton of great veggie burger options out there, and I can go into your place and get something I know is made well that I can actually enjoy. Right. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, and that's important. You know, I mean like yeah, it's, yeah. We we yeah, we do we do a ton of food and you know, vegetarian and vegan uh customers have been a huge part of our client base like since you know, honestly since they reopened and um you know, I'm you know, I I'm not vegan or vegetarian, but um I appreciate I appreciate that diet. I appreciate yeah. that style of cooking. Yeah, because I'm I'm not perfect by any means. I mean, I'd say ninety plus percent. Like ninety plus percent of the time I eat vegetarian. And so like when I cook at home, I don't you know, I cook vegetarian or vegan almost exclusively. But at the same time, you know, I went out to dinner last night with people from work. The guy ordered a dozen oysters and he throws a couple of my way. Yeah, I'm not going to say no. I still love a steak. I love a burger. I love that stuff. I just think I, I can't justify it the same way I used to. The more you think about everything, the more you try and make you try and make value based decisions on what you do. It's not just hey, is this delicious? Sometimes I tried. I try to make value based decisions at the same time. Sure. Do I think this is the right thing to do? I, I try to do that with most of the things I consume. I try to do that with food. I try to do it, you know, I try to buy local if I can help it. I try to support my local farmer. I try to support my local breweries. Right. Which, one, I think we should talk about for a few minutes. What would you like to talk about, Chris? So I think we're going to take another break because okay. it looks like we're going to keep on going. So we're going to take another break. Yep. We're going to talk about the local beer scene. Perfect. If you want to hear more from Joe McBain, you can check out Connections today. That's Monday the 17th at 1 o'clock. 
Peel Beyond talking about craft beer in general with Will Cleveland. And, of course, Evan Dawson, one of my favorite hosts here in Rochester. If you don't catch it today at 1 o'clock, please go and catch it on the podcast feed, or you can get it at wxxi.org. All right, and we're back, and we're ready to talk local beer with Joe McBain from Tap and Mallet. Hello, Chris Lundstrom. Oh, hello, Mr. Joe. Let's talk local beer. So you've been a craft beer bar for 11 years, and you've seen the local beer scene change, I'd say, almost completely over the last you know, 10, 11 years, I'd imagine. Well, there's always been a local beer scene. Yeah, for um, sure. But uh, over the last few years, um, it's exploded. Yeah, I mean, kind of in a very rapid way in the last, what, three, three, four years, right? Sure. Yeah. Yep. Thereabouts. Yeah. And I, but I would say in the last like year or two, it's exploded in a way that is um, exciting. It seems like the the demand right now is almost endless. I mean, the excitement for breweries has been just explosive here locally. Something opens, people are excited about it. And I mean, I always throw props to to Will Cleveland, who we mentioned earlier who does such a great job covering all of the new openings, not just in the city, but in the surrounding areas, just the, the staggering amount of breweries that have opened in the, you know, 45 minute to an hour radius of Rochester is just absolutely staggering. You can't keep up with it. I can't like, I truly, I, I, yeah, I've not even been to all of them. Um, and I, and I do try and, um, over the last few years, the general quality of the local beer scene has has risen. Um, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I think it um, takes people a little while to get their feet under them too. It does. It does. You know, it's like a new restaurant, right? Like I think it's you know, frankly, deeply unfair. There should be there should be something on you know, freaking Yelp and TripAdvisor and whatever else where like you can't leave a review for like you know three, four, six months. You know, yeah, and it's just like let just chill out. You know, yeah. what I mean, like let them figure it out for a minute. Um, and the same applies to breweries. Um, but the tide has generally risen, and you know, there's, there's some breweries that I'm excited about right now locally. You know, so you know, fifth frame. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a fan of you know for people that listen to the podcast uh, regularly, they've probably heard the fifth frame crew on a few times. Uh, back before they were called Fifth Frame during their build out, and I've been a consistent fan since they've opened. Their good stuff, right? Quality is just absolutely fantastic yeah, from the top quality, to bottom. Yeah, the quality's good. Um, you know, the approach styles is good. Um, yeah, you know, just like I've enjoyed them. We've done really well with them at the pub. Um, you know, I went out for the first time last week, about five weeks into their projects now, uh, to a uh, place out in uh, Livingston County, uh, Mortalis. Yeah, I've heard a lot about them. I haven't had any of their stuff yet. Great. So wait, where is it actually located in Livingston? So you get off uh, exit 10 on uh, 390 uh, little, uh, towards, <laughs> towards Avon. Okay. Drive okay. towards Avon. It's exit 10. Um, you get off. It's just like two minutes down the road on the right. Uh, and um, so, it's, you know, it's Paul, Dave, and, you know, I've known those guys for a while. And, you know, I went in and... Uh, 
you know, we, we bought some beer, we bought some crawlers, you know, it kind of died down a bit. Paul came over and like really kind of like shot the shit with us for a bit and uh, told us his story. Like, lovely. Like, they are so, they're just about the beer. They're oh, just it's, about the it's beer. It's also, it's really not that far away. No, it's not that far. Barely keeping their heads above water in terms of producing enough beer. Like, yeah. People, because the beer is so good. Like, so good. Like, so be excited about that. You know, like, Genesee. Awesome. Yeah. Like, supporting the local craft beer community. Awesome. I, I had like, Dean on maybe a year ago. And, man, I I love talking to him because, you know, a guy that had so much passion for beer. Mm-hmm. But I think that also has, it's colored the local scene because a brewery their size doesn't need to, they didn't need to worry about the local beer scene. No, but they do. Which is amazing. The, they embrace the community. It's, it's just fantastic because they're they're the fourth biggest brewery in the country. Right. They don't have to care about no, us. No, but they do. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, so the whole thing's kind of coming up, you know, and I'm like, I, you know, I'm forgetting about others too, but like, um, there's good beer being made in Rochester, like genuinely awesome freaking beer, and, you know, like, you know, I like, I, you know, I'm buddies with like the other half guys and, you know, they're opening up. Down in Bluefield, and that's and that's awesome. That's going to bring a certain amount of credibility. But well, because like, you guys, you guys, we have some... guys in Rochester who are making awesome beer. Well, let's talk about other half for a second, because I think that's it's an interesting topic. Mm-hmm. So, you've had a couple massive events with the other half guys over at Tap. Yeah, Mall. I think we've done like three cam releases. Yeah, three cam releases with those guys now. Yeah, and they were. I mean, the first one was what four. Four hour lines. I mean, we're we were talking just a ton of people waiting in line for this beer. And again, as we talked about before, there's you know beers of the moment, mm-hmm. not only styles, but there's breweries of the moment. And it's passed over so many different hands over the last you know x amount of years. From Alchemist, you went Heady Topper. You had to drag people to get this. You had to wait in hours of lines. Sure, every time. styles styles have changed, and they have. Like it was, it was heady topper. Then it was, you and you would be foolish to think that hazy IPAs are the it forever. No, and they can't be because it always changes. Right, but it was like for a while. Like hey, right now it is. We had to we had to wait in line for Treehouse for four hours to get you know one growler worth of stuff, and then it was Trillium. Now it's now it's other half. Right now, that everybody's just they can't get enough of it. It's just the thing. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that they're, one, picking our area. It seems like the demand here for these kind of beers, you know, for, for beer in general, has been very hot for a long time. Sure. So they did um, they did a release in Syracuse, uh, um, now or later. Um, you know, pretty renowned spot out there. Uh, they did a uh, release at Thin Man. So they did one now or later. I didn't get to that. And by the way, uh, Thin Man, love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, Thin Man's fun too. So like, Mike Mike Shatsler owns that place is, you know, a good buddy of mine. So um you know, we chat a lot about beer and oh, like, sure. we usually go on vacation, you know, once a year or so on somewhere. You know, so I, I love was, that. Yeah, we went to San Diego back in uh, April, which was fun. But um yeah, no, me and Mike good buds. And um so they did they did it in Buffalo and you know, I, I remember the day before chatting with you know my partner and you know zach is our you know gm over the pub and be like all right i'm like they didn't Syracuse, sounded amazing didn't go um they're doing it in buffalo tomorrow i'm like let's go i'm like 
and call Mike. We can get some beer. You know, like I'm like I don't want to wait in line. I just want, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm not really into the whole like. Like I honestly don't like need to buy cans. Honestly, no, I, I just want to go. Like I want to go. I want to see it. I want to like. I want to feel the vibe. Right. I just like. I just want to feel the vibe. I'm like we go to Thin Man. We'll have a few pints. You know, like we'll have a good time. And you know, so so we did that. And, you know, I'd called Mike and I was like, hey, you know, we're coming down. Like. Tell the other half guys, you know, like I'm gonna pop down. You know, it'd be cool if like we could say hey and have a pint together. And we did, and we chatted, and it was like, you know, I've got this little place in Rochester. Uh, you know, I'd love to have you guys, and you know, let me know. So we stayed in touch, and you know, and then we did the camera release, which was off the charts, like off the charts. And they did Albany, and then they came back to us, and they did like an even bigger camera release. And it crushed. And, you know, then we did another one the day of the Flower City Brewers Festival, like, crushed. It just crushed. And they, but they've been all around upstate, like Albany, Syracuse, Buffalo, Rochester, right? And Rochester has the most rabid, beer-loving drinkers anywhere. And that's why they place themselves in Bloomfield, you know? But that's why they're there. And it's it's... It's purely because of the people that drink in this area, which is it's it's amazing to see. I mean, the you know the online communities are so they're rabid. I mean, they're they're all over everything. Sometimes a bit much. It's a bit much for my tastes. I mean, it's yeah, but it can be. It's a challenge. Sure, but like that excitement needs to be embraced. I mean, yeah, like, for sure, it can be a bit much. But like the fact that it's there is amazing. Absolutely, and the fact that we right now. So the hottest, the hottest, one of the hottest breweries in the country decided that our area was the right place to put their second, like wow, their second right? brewery. Wow, it could have been anywhere. They could have picked anywhere in the country, and they picked Rochester. Mm-hmm. That's that does mean something, and well, it does. It doesn't hurt that that facility out there is absolutely beautiful, and they're starting with you know that whole area. That's it's a beautiful tasting room, the former Nedlow location, and one of the more beautiful. You know, brewery build outs sure. that I've ever seen. Pretty. Yeah. Um, it's, I'm consistently happy that I can go to all sorts of different breweries here in town. And if they were all cookie cutter and all trying to do exactly the same thing, I know I might get a little more bored, but it's nice where I can go to different neighborhoods and each one has, I think, I think that's my favorite thing about it is I can get different feels. Like, if I want to go up and visit a, a great neighborhood, you know, really nice neighborhood brewery, I go visit the guys up at Knucklehead, not that far from my house. You know, it's a real family, it's a family-oriented right. establishment, and it feels like that. Or you go to Swiftwater that's got this, you know, a completely different vibe to it. Or Fifth Frame, which is, you know, hipster on hipster on hipster when it comes to coffee, food, and beer. You know, it's all these different places that have all these different feels, and that's, for me, one of the things I've enjoyed about the local scene. Right. You know, see, seeing it grow a little bit over time, of course, because I've been, I've been into places where I remember, I remember going to a specific place, not going to name names because they've got a lot better, uh, but I remember when I went in at first, I think it was, I don't know, six or eight beers on tap, and I liked zero of them. Legitimately zero, um, and it wasn't. You know, I wasn't trying to be harsh. I went in with other people who were 
in and around the industry. Either they, they ran bars or were severe beer nerds. And we were on the same page. We liked zero of the beers they had on tap that day. Which, that's hard to do. Right. And now, I mean, I, to be fair, the place has, you know, really turned it around and they've started making, they started making a lot of good beers that, you know, I've enjoyed them on draft. I've enjoyed them in cans and a place that I've gone, I've gone back to, um, not as much at the brewery cause I, I just don't go as visit in many places as I used to, but I've had it in a lot of different places. I've bought the cans. I've had it at the, at the curling club where I play. And I was, I was really happy for them that they, they turned around. They'd always had a lot of support uh, from the community where they're located. But I, I, was, I was really happy that they, had, they were making products that were, were just made well. And that, that was a huge step forward, and I was, it just made me very happy. And I think generally we're seeing places that have been open for a while generally get better over time. I don't know if you've seen the same thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the um, the market and the customer has pushed that along, and I think that the uh, Rochester brewing scene has been is traditionally a little bit conservative, but like things have been pushed along by you know consumer demand to a point where people, you know, in positions where they're choosing the styles of being brewed are, are reacting and you know and and learning from that. I am genuinely excited for our scene. You know, when you when you when you lump in the breweries that I'm kind of jazzed about and are doing genuinely well, and then you know the other half is going to put down some roots in this area, right? And the people that's going to bring, and you throw all that together, and you're like, man, the tide's rising real good. And like, I'm optimistic, just as a beer lover, you know, like. I'm 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 excited and optimistic for like yeah for that. I don't know how you couldn't be right now. Right. Um and let's let's talk for a second just because I know you've you've done a few and I find it interesting. Let's talk about collaborations for a minute. Mm-hmm. Cuz you you've done a few for for the brewery where you'd work you've worked with local places to bring something in specifically for you. Sure. Um I mean I you know yeah. Uh, there's, there's been uh, there's there's been a number of brewery projects locally that I've done where like I've had a vision of something that you know like I, I always pick a brewery that I'm excited about you know um you know that I think has the potential and the ability to execute the certain thing right and I come up with an idea and it's usually something that like challenges them a little bit you know so I'll, I'll do that once in a while you know it's just fun um. You right. have to stretch a little different muscle in your brain yeah, too, right? You know, so like I remember like having beers one night with Oz from Stoneyard and, you know, like coming in with a, you know, Belgian style wheat that's New England style hopped. You know? Oh, really cool idea. Yeah, the McBain's Whippo, right? <laughs> uh, and yeah, yeah, so we, we you know, we I have done I've I've done a lot of stuff like that over the years and um yeah, you know, I don't know. It's like that's fun, but it's like you know, it's one-off projects, you know. But it's fun. It's like I'm fortunate that I have some buddies who can actually like take my crazy ideas and <laughs> mold them in a direction that makes sense, you know. Well, I think there there's there's something about one-offs, like when it when it comes to like restaurants. Maybe maybe it could be like a pop-up or a tasting menu dinner that they do for one night and then they don't do it again. I think there's something about one-offs that has this romantic feel to it, where you just you're just trying something that's very much, it's just an idea. And we'll see where it goes. Maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't. 
But, but we're not deep into it either way. Right. You tried out something cool, and maybe you find something that right. you didn't know you'd find. I can tell you that McBain's weapon was awesome. Yeah? Yeah. Like, what, what was it about it that grabbed you the most? I think it was like this, you know, the softness and the little bit of coriander of the wheat base with the big, bright, late edition hops that yeah. just kind of like pops. It just pops. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it so it probably hit that balance big. again. It, it, it took a lot of galaxy. So. <laughs> just stack them on top of each other. And yeah. I took the most expensive hop. Oh, that's great. Yeah. All right. I think what we're going to do is we're going to close this for today. So let's put out the final plugs for Tap and Mallet. And uh, any events coming up that are interesting? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've got a couple of things. So uh, starting the 17th, which is, uh, what, Friday? Yeah, yeah. Um, we have Oktoberfest. So we do uh, a whole menu, which is uh, like schnitzels, um, sausages from Schwann Market. You know, Beautiful. Sa- Sauerbrot and liverwurst, you know, strudels. Um, you know, we, we've collected some incredible uh, Oktoberfest beers, almost predominantly uh, German. Um, we'll have at least three on at any time. So that will run for two weeks, right? We'll have this incredible, incredible German menu, which is just my favorite time of the year, food-wise, at the pub, with incredible Oktoberfest beers. So, yeah, keep your eye out for that. Uh, starts on the 17th, and uh, on it goes. So, Tap and Mallet again in the Southwich, 381 Gregory Street, correct? 381 Gregory Street. And uh, when are you open? Uh, seven days a week, uh, 11.30 in the morning, uh, except for Sundays, we open at noon. Um, kitchen's open late. Um, yeah, we're just pretty much open seven days a week. <laughs> we're open. That's the tap and mail. Yeah. Un- yeah. Underneath underneath the name, we're yeah. open. <laughs> you hungry? We got you. I love that. Yeah. All right. Joe McPain, thank you so much for coming over. I had a blast. Chris, thank you. And we'll talk again next time on the Food About Town podcast. Cheers, mate.